been in this series for a while, and today I bring it to a close. In looking at the different specific things Paul communicated as encouragement to the church in Philippi about paying attention to their thought life. We've looked at thinking on whatever things are true and and noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report. And in each case, we wanted to draw distinction between how the world defines these terms and how God defines these terms. Because we're concerned with how God looks at things. We're not even overly concerned with how our friends may look at things because that can always come from a human perspective. And as I've mentioned many times throughout this series, we are definitely not concerned with how social media defines any of this. But it always comes back to the word of God. But not just knowing what the word of God says about these topics, but also understanding that these have meaning when they're part of a growing, breathing, loving, living relationship with him. So for the last time, at least for a while, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 8, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue if, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. And that was the end result, the end goal that Paul wanted to communicate to the church in Philippi that the God of peace would be with them. So today, we conclude by combining the last two. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, and one of the reasons why I combine the last two is because they're the only topics in this entire series where they begin with the word if. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, going to ask a question and I'm sure it may not have ever happened to anybody here but you can just walk along with me anybody have a bad day ever anyone ever have a bad day you get up and you realize the alarm didn't go off and then you stub your toe getting out of bed or something like that and you realize the coffee maker is not working so you're going to have to stop on the way to work to get a cup of coffee and and you get to get to the car and it's cold and it won't start so you have to work with that and then you race to work you meet the guard at the booth at your job and he wonders why you're there on a Saturday that's a bad day And oftentimes when we have bad days or bad seasons and we come into contact with someone who's trying to encourage us, it seems all we can do is just recite all the reasons why it's a bad day. And yet, if the person is trying to encourage you, they're going to try and say, well, is there anything going good today? I mean, when you... Uh, didn't have the alarm go off 
at least you woke up. God gave you life and allowed you to keep breathing. When the coffee maker wouldn't work, at least you had the funds to be able to go buy a cup of coffee. When the car wouldn't start right away, you had to work on it, at least it started eventually. When you raced to work, at least you didn't hit anything or nothing hit you. It's almost like Paul is saying, even in the midst of all of the trials you're going through as Philippian Christians, even in the midst of all the persecution you're under, if you can find anything virtuous and basically saying, open our eyes. There's always going to be some place, if we look specifically, that we can find virtue, that we can find something that's praiseworthy. The word for virtue there literally translates both in Latin and in Greek, into moral virtue, being those things that would lead to goodness in our lives, those things that would lead specifically to excellence. And I've always believed that if there's any people on the face of the earth that should be those who pursue excellence, it's God's people. We're not here to be average. We're not here to be just okay. We're here to be people of high excellence, especially when it comes to morality. Praiseworthy translates the idea of being laudable, something that not only is good and excellent, but that you want to proclaim to the rooftops of being something that you want everyone to know, something that all would notice. Now, this definitely fits with the idea of when we talked about lovely and of good report. But when it comes to things that contain moral excellence or something that we can shout to the masses, Paul says, can you find any? Because I'll maybe it's just the circles I've been traveling in this week. It seems that all people are talking about this week are down things. Things that are troubling. On my job, I work for a major law firm, and they had, and many of our clients are major banks and major financial institutions, and they've received word from the State Department that because of these troubling things going on with Ukraine and Russia, to be on guard for cyber attacks and all kinds of things that may impact American financial institutions. So, of course, when that is said to a financial company, for some reason, the first people they contact is their lawyers. I didn't understand that when it was explained to me, and I still don't understand it. But then, since we hold a lot of their information, we've been taking steps for the last number of weeks to make sure their data is secure, because that's all people are concerned about right now. But that type of focus can bring with it this overarching current, this, this cloud that the world is kind of falling apart. Well, I've been saying that to people for years. But to gain a better understanding, you need to step back and consider the situations and surroundings that the church at Philippi was going through. And if we review history, we'd see that in that little town, the church at Philippi, 
the church was a minority voice. Worship of Rome, worship of Caesar, worship of the Roman gods was rampant. And when something went wrong in Roman society, when something went wrong in the town of Philippi, the first people they would blame are the Christians. The gods must be upset because we weren't bowing down. The Christians weren't bowing down to the various gods that they had. They weren't worshiping Caesar. They weren't embracing the common mindsets. And, of course, we can't relate. Paul is encouraging them that even in these times, even in these situations, to find strength in Jesus and not just be morally strong, but be morally excellent. Going above and beyond to do the right thing. Yes, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching, but it's also good to do the right thing when everybody is watching. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16, a verse that was the theme verse from a church my wife and I kind of grew up in. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And part of what helps the world glorify God is when they actually see our good and genuine and loving works. It makes them wonder, why are you so nice? You ever been asked that? I have. We've been, over the nine years I've been with this law firm, there have been times when they would talk about having to deal with situation or call a vendor and kind of read them the riot act because of something that wasn't going well. And I said, I will take care of it. And I've had a manager tell me, are you sure? Are you okay with taking care of it? And I go, yeah, it's bothering me too. And they'll say, are you sure? You go, why do you keep asking me that? And they'll say, Harm, because you're just too nice. <laughs> and for some reason, there's this natural reaction. I went, Sorry. I'm so sorry for being so nice. But I'm really not. But it makes people wonder, in the midst of all that's going on, why are you so nice? In the midst of all that's going on, why are you giving so much and being such a giving person? In the midst of all that's going on and the way that most people treat one another, why are you not upset at the way others are talking to you? In essence, it makes them wonder, how in the world can you be so happy? Well, I got Jesus, and that's one big reason. And he's living in me. Now, am I happy about the situations around me? No. But he brings a joy that shines through all that I'm going through. So our goal of demonstrating moral excellence should not be so that it leads to some type of stress or legalism. This pursuit is not so that we can take pride in just how amazing we all are, even though you are all amazing. But we want to take care of others excellently. We want to care about other people excellently. We want to give of ourselves, but not piecemeal, excellently. We want to treat others with excellence. And yes, we'll be seen by others, 
That's not why we do it. Roman society was such that you did things simply to be seen and because you were concerned with what other people thought. In God's kingdom, all that matters is what God thinks. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what my family thinks. It doesn't even matter, ultimately, what the church thinks. What does God think? And we hope that what God thinks and the church thinks are in line. But that's why we pray for the church, because often, especially in our country, the church can drift away from what God wants. But we're concerned about what God thinks. Now, we should never be so arrogant to place our thinking on the same level of what God is thinking, what God has proclaimed. I'll remember very distinctly back in the end of 2003, around Christmas time, when I was gathering at my dad's house with my family, but my brother hadn't made it out for Christmas. And then we we called him and found out that he was ill. Sounded like he had a cold. I remember him commenting he had just finished about a gallon of orange juice to try to combat whatever he was feeling. And we told him we'd see him either at New Year's or around sometime after the New Year and then got a call soon after that he was in the hospital. And they had diagnosed him with with, uh, meningitis. So I went to go see him. And he looked okay, and the doctor said, we believe we caught it, and everything is going to be good. I spoke to him, I spoke to his roommate, and I spoke to my brother, and I said, we'll make plans, because not that there was a lot of issues between us, but our lives had taken different paths, and we were busy with them, and we wanted to make more time, because things like this can create a wake-up call. And so we agreed we'd make time once he got out of the hospital, And I left and went back home and back to my job and got the call later that there was no brain activity and that he was not physically gone yet, but gone in every other way. I'll admit that shook me, that my younger brother of the ripe old age of 39 was gone. Yet, as we gathered in the next week or so for his funeral, you know, I give God praise for the calling upon my life. But sometimes it can be a challenge being the family pastor because when it came time to decide, well, who was going to run the service at the funeral home, well, of course, it's going to be you, Hiram. I didn't want to do anything. And I'll be honest and transparent to share that I had a little attitude with God. I was a little upset with him. No, that's not true. I was a lot upset with him. But I, I, I uh, agreed to do it. And there were so many people there, friends of his, so many people who had opinions about what happened and what should have happened and what was going on. And I felt led to preach from this verse, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. 
Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. I basically got up there for about 20 minutes. See, even back then, I only preached for 20 minutes. I said, but if what you and I thought mattered, Mark would still be here. If you and I, our thoughts, our desires ruled the universe, and I listed all the people in my family who had passed leading up to that point, they'd still be there. But with you and I, when it comes right down to it, all that matters is what God thinks. All that matters is what God says. See, our world was falling apart fast. Sin has become acceptable and even promoted. We see wars and rumors of wars everywhere. And it comes down to, I'll be asked and you'll be asked, what do you think? It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. We see signs all around us. And especially on Thursday night when we're going through biblical prophecy. I'm asked, is this the end that's proclaimed in scripture? My answer is always the same. Maybe. Could be. I don't know. Are we the generation that will will see his coming? I give the same answer. Maybe. Would I love for him to come back soon? I always give the same answer. Absolutely. There are a number of meetings I have tomorrow I would love to avoid. But I find nowhere in scripture that tells me I should try and figure out when he's coming. And Solomon gives us this wisdom here in Ecclesiastes that my mindset shouldn't be so focused on when he's coming. It should be focused on fear God and keep his commandments because this is man's all. Not his part, not his majority. This is everything. Worship and be in awe of God And oh yeah, do what you're told. Keep his commandments. Whether he comes back tomorrow or he comes back in a hundred years, fear God and keep his commandments. Micah chapter 6, verse number 8, a verse I know we all know. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Not just what the Lord asks of you. Not what does the Lord suggest would be good for you. What does the Lord require of you? Three things. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. I used to think the problem that most people have is with the second one. Clearly, in our day and age, it's the third one. People don't walk humbly before anybody. And the prophet Micah lived and prophesied around 700 B.C., which means this advice was given first almost 2,700 years ago. And you know what? It's not current. It's not hip. It's not cool. It's good today as it was back in 700 B.C. Do what is just and what is right, no matter what. But doing what is right won't benefit me. It will before God. He will bless those who do right. Love mercy. 
Now, the thing is here, we all love mercy when the mercy is on us. We need to love mercy when the mercy is on someone we don't think deserves mercy. Oh, I could preach for a while on just that one by itself. Love mercy. And walk humbly before our God. Which means we always remember who is God and who isn't. I am not God. You are not God. Our government is not God. The president of Russia is not God. The president of Ukraine is not God. Nobody on this planet is God. There is but one, and we call him Jesus. Yet something strikes me about this last exhortation. If there is anything praiseworthy. You may have noticed you don't have to tell someone who is happy, be happy. You don't have to normally tell someone who is cheerful, cheer up. You you encourage someone to be good when they're not being good. You encourage someone to do the right thing when they seem to be doing the wrong thing. You encourage someone to be merciful when they're being cruel and unmerciful. You encourage someone to focus on what is worthy of praise when it seems all they're focusing on is the pain and despair that's around them. Church, we are all going through situations that are not worthy of praise, but we serve a God who is always worthy of praise. We serve a God who is always worthy of glory and honor. Even when the world around us is a mess. Most of you know the story behind the great hymn of the church, It Is Well With My Soul. How Horatio Spafford lost everything. Business, money, prestige, and four daughters. All in once. And in the midst of pain, in the midst of great loss, and in the midst of great sorrow, he writes, when peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. It may not be well with my head. It may not even be well with my heart. But that deep inner place that Jesus talks to and communicates with through the Holy Spirit, it is well with my soul. We need to pray for Ukraine. Because what's going on there right now is messed up. We need to pray for our country. Because daily what goes on is messed up. We need to pray for our families. Because in many of our families what goes on is messed up. But when I look all around me, I see reasons to give God praise. I see reasons to give God glory. If there is anything praiseworthy, I've got plenty of things that are praiseworthy if I will look at them. Because we're so connected today, these events just seem to impact us in more ways than they used to. Things seem so unstable. Financial issues arise. 
We're told over and over again every day about the financial impact of what's going on between Ukraine and Russia and what will happen here, and then we see it in various ways, particularly at the gas pump. But I'm not going to focus on the price of gas per gallon. I'm going to focus on the mercy of Jesus. I'm going to focus on the goodness of my God. We can think about all those things, and I'm not saying we stick our heads in the sand. I'm not saying that we don't look to be wise people. But I'm going to focus on how good God is. Now, I was speaking with my manager in our one-on-one meeting that we have weekly, and we were talking about different things within the department. And I was talking about we were talking about one individual and how some of the things sometimes that they do is kind of, and I paused as if I was looking for a word. I just kind of stuttered for a moment, and I said it kind of messed up the way he approaches things. And then I, I guess trying to add some levity, I said, you thought I was going to say another word, didn't you? And he goes, no. In the three years I've known you, I've never heard you speak anything vulgar. And I said, you're not going to either. And he says, but aren't there things that are, and he used the vulgar term. I said, there are, but there are also good things. And I kept kind of drawing in. And he said, like what? Ah, thank you. Thank you. And I said, because I know his routine as well, that we're all working remotely. When you got up this morning, were you breathing? And he said, yes. That's a reason to be thankful. When you walked the dog this morning in front of your home, did your legs work? He goes, yeah, a reason to be thankful. When you came home, was your family safe and sound? They were a reason to be thankful. If we look, there's a reason to give God praise. We can think about how our world is declining or focus on how worthy of praise Jesus still is. We can think about how broken everything around us seems to be. Or we can focus on the one who made us whole and is able to make every situation whole. When the days seem hopeless, when the world seems clueless, I'm going to meditate on the one who is Jesus, who fills his people with the power to be morally excellent no matter what. Now, I know based on that conversation I had, I'm going to hear at some point when I have to deal with something, are you sure you want to deal with that, Hiram? Yeah. But you're too nice. You're too easygoing. You don't yell and scream and, and go on tirades at other people. When did that become a benefit? When did that become a character trait we seek? Is there any virtue, Paul says, yes, in Jesus? Is there anything praiseworthy, church? Yes, his name is Jesus. And if we're willing to look around, there are people all around us serving the Lord 
and doing what they can to bring joy and love to others in his name. I'm choosing to meditate on those things. I'm sure like you, I've seen so many images on TV from Ukraine. But there's one that the news isn't going to show. It's one I found someplace else. And it's of a church that's gathering supplies that the people in that church chose to stay in Ukraine rather than flee so they can minister to those who become wounded and those families who are, who are displaced. I'm going to think about them and ask God to move. I saw another video clip, which you're not going to see on TV. It's of a church here in this country, and I couldn't find out where it was. And they were lending their space out for about 40 young people. Well, they were in their 30s and 40s, but to me, that's young. <laughs> and they were in a room praising God. And what was remarkable, they were Russians and Ukrainians praising God together, which shows me it can happen. What's happening in, the, in that part of the world isn't the inevitable outcome of what happens when people get involved. God can step in and do amazing things if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. Then he will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So when it comes to what I'm going to meditate on, I'm going to meditate on these things. Stand with me, please. I'm going to ask the worship.